0: You're listening to Self Worst. This is a podcast about failure, inspiration, day jobs, bad habits, and mental health. We talk about spiritualism. We talk about art. We talk about imposter syndrome, perfectionism, mediocrity, and meritocracy. We do sometimes talk about sexual assault, suicidal ideation, trauma, and whatnot. Yeah, we go there. So, you know, be advised. Each week, artists, losers, dirtbags, musicians, degenerates, comedians, actors, fuck-ups, scholars, crazies, filmmakers, veterans, sluts, commies, weirdos, activists, addicts, teachers, fatties, queers, and all other types of beautiful people. Join me, Brad Pearson, not a doctor, not a therapist, not an expert, in a discussion of what to do with this stupid, sacred life.
1: Are you blessed or are you cursed? With a strong imagination and a spiritual thirst Do you want to confide about the darkness inside? Come and talk about it on Self Worst
0: Hello, 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 welcome to Self Worst I'm Brad Pearson I'm a day late with this episode, yes, I usually put it out on Thursdays. I've been on a streak of putting it out on Thursdays and uh, didn't happen this week. Happened on a Friday. We got it out on a Friday, a day late. I'm sorry. I hope you did. O- I hope you got through your Thursday without me. I hope I'm not too late. Anyway, here I am with another episode with my old buddy one of my main dudes Zach Nash uh, met him in college when I was eh, ill-advisedly perhaps going to the Minneapolis College of Art and Design financially not the best decision of my life but socially spiritually intellectually mentally all of that stuff I, I think it was a good choice needed to get out of my hometown needed to try the art school they needed to surround myself with those sorts of folks art school folks that's just what I needed to happen that was on my journey and on my journey I racked up a lot of debt but that's one thing but I also met some of my favorite people in the whole world Zach Nash is one of them so it was great to finally have him on the show I've been meaning to have him on the show the last time I wanted to was when I was actually down in Austin, uh, in early March 2020, and then as uh, some stuff happened, so we didn't get around to it. But anyway, we're here now, and uh, it was good to catch up. We hadn't talked in a while, and uh, you know it was a good excuse to just uh, play catch up. Uh, You know, a lot of times I'll have people on this show who I don't really know, I've never really met before, who I've straight up never met before, never spoken a word to them. And then I have people who are near and dear to me, who uh, I've known for a long time, I feel very familiar with. And, uh, you know, it's a mix of both. You get what you get on this show. That's some of the best times of my uh, college experience. Talking to Zach Nash getting high and uh, you know watching music videos bonding over our mutual love for uh, metal guided by voices deftones t-rex shit like that and just you know vibing you need those people especially if you're a creative type Especially if you're a young creative type. But hey, you know what? I think it goes for all ages. You got to be around people you vibe with. You get those creative juices flowing. You need that. Even if you're in completely different disciplines. I don't play no music. I didn't even really know that Zach made music until like a good chunk of the way through art school. I mean, he had guitars and shit. We talked about music. And then he came out with an album. We were like, fuck, dude. What are you in? Why aren't you in music school? And he was like, I don't need that shit. I already know everything there is to know. Berkeley College or whatever? No, thank you. I want to learn to be a painter boy, too. You can't teach me nothing about music. I'm Zach Nash. Anyway. Always a good time to talk to him. And it was very nice. To catch up, and it was a it was, it was it was a fun conversation, you know. So enjoy it. I hope you do. And if you don't, it's, I mean that's a you problem, honestly. I don't know why you listen to the whole thing if you don't like it. I don't know why you're like a hundred or more episodes in. I, that would be great. If you were just fully listening to every single episode of this and just not liking it. If that's true, DM me at Pearson at SelfWorst. Uh, send an email, SelfWorst at gmail.com. I want to have you, I'll have you on the show. I don't know what you're about. That would be, wow. Dedication to not liking me. I don't think that there's anybody who's actually that invested for good or bad. I think probably my most ardent fans of this show have not listened to every single episode. Bah, but you know. I don't take that personal, either. You should know. It won't hurt my feelings if you haven't heard all the episodes of this show. Won't hurt my feelings if you don't listen to uh, the entirety of every episode. I just want you to know that, just as a sidebar, you the listener. It's fine. I don't listen to every single goddamn episode of all of my favorite podcasts. Jesus. I have time for that shit. So it's fine. I'm not hurt. <sighs> um, Let's go to the interview. Uh, you know the drill. Patreon.com slash self-worst. Uh, support the show. Be nice. Uh... Rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, you know, uh, 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 spread the word. Tell a friend. Um, you know, follow me at Radical Pearson uh, 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 at Self on Instagram. And uh, uh, that's it. I got. I gotta go. Enjoy the show. Enjoy the interview. Enjoy my talk. Enjoy just two old bros vibing from across the internet to each other. Oh, note about that real quick. The audio quality is a little off. Uh, The mic, something went kaputs with the mic uh, partway through. And eh, is kaputs the right word? I am not, I should not be throwing around so much Yiddish. I don't know what I'm doing. Is kaputs even a Yiddish word? Let's move on. The mic went, Bad, mic not work partway through, and uh, he had to switch to uh, you know just his AirPods, so it sounds a little tinny on his end. What are you gonna do? I feel like we've all gotten very used to uh remote, the sounds of a remote voice, a remote interview. This is the times we live in. So whatever. I don't need to. I don't need to take a defensive stance on this. I don't need to be all like on my guard and like, eh, suck my dick. If you don't like it, I'll kill you. Like I, I don't need to ha- bring that energy. I'm sure you. I'm sure it's fine. But I just wanted to address that. Okay, it's addressed. I'm aware. Audio's whatever. So, anyway, that's all I wanted to say. I'll see you on the flip side and I'm gonna run my mouth uh you know at the end of the show too like I do I love you hey everybody I'm really excited because I'm sitting here on a Wednesday night uh with my old college buddy Zach Nash uh you know he lives down in Texas we haven't uh we haven't really talked in in a minute a lot of stuff's uh, been going on with you you've had some life changes uh you, you got a new job i think you got did you move apartments too um mm-hmm. yeah all of that stuff so I, we wanted to catch up and i also wanted a guest on my podcast so we're just like fucking two birds in this because that's how efficient yes, we are with so our way. time here man um <laughs> so how you been zach good to see you i've been been pretty
1: good it's good to see you too brad look at that gorgeous hair i know right it's freewheeling curls Oh, that's so nice to see. I've finally, I
0: finally got, uh, figured it out. Like, uh, how to have curly hair. It's taken a lifetime. It's very difficult to maintain and manage. Especially if you live in a humid place. Ugh. Sure. Nightmare. Yeah, but one's hair journey is ever evolving. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I think when you met, we, you had really long hair.
1: Back in, in in school. Back in
0: MCAD, yeah. I think you're like first year of MCAD, or at least I've I've definitely seen a picture of you with like long ass
1: hair. Yeah, I've definitely gone through some uh, some length uh, changes in my time. Sure. Um, yeah, no, it was like down my back for a while, but I've definitely adopted the like standard gay haircut now of just like short <laughs> on the sides and sure. like messy on top. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The 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 sloppy fade.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We. I mean. Truly that. Like since the pandemic, Michael and I have just been giving each other haircuts, and uh, you know, we may not be professional barbers, but uh it is that's impossible. a whole, That's
0: uh, a home job?
1: Oh hell yeah.
0: Wow, that's pretty good.
1: Yeah, look, that's look at a, the back. ooh, ooh.
0: That's a pretty oh. that's a pretty solid fade for a home job. That's wow. I mean, okay. Impressive.
1: Yeah, the back of our old apartment there was a place down the street that gave like eight dollar fades. Mm-hmm. Uh and so this is definitely yeah. a tier above that, I will say. Right.
0: I, it's, you gotta do them especially if you're doing like a skin fade or whatever like you gotta mm-hmm. keep you gotta go back like every other week it's, uh, it adds up oh yeah no it's dreary and like expensive here you know like I, I don't know a single place that does $8 anything uh, we're back, folks. We had some technical issues with the uh, <laughs> with the audio. I'm not sure how we're going to edit this together, but if there's a little bit of a change in the uh, audio quality uh, coming in from uh, from our beloved guest, uh, I'm sorry. You're just going to have to deal with it. it. We live in a hard world. Uh, we live in different states, and you know this is this is COVID times, and we've been. I feel like podcast audiences have gotten used to the Zoom sound. You know, just uh, the, yeah. the, the new, the 2020 sound of podcast. It's an aesthetic now. It's an aesthetic now. It's like, it's like auto-tune, you know, you don't necessarily need it.
1: So. <laughs> I will say this is a direct result of the computer hellscape that Apple has wrought upon me of late. Because yeah. I threw down for this beautiful, expensive, made-of-metal-ass professional laptop from these bitches. And they fully omitted all hardware inputs that would be useful. And I discovered this was an issue and then went and got an adapter that has you know buku usb input Yep. uh and it also still does not have an audio out so i like jury rigged this with like using airpods as opposed to my like fancy like audio technica headphones yeah and all this and it's just like everything's crumbling it's been a whole thing i finally
0: got a new uh macbook and it has just the lightning ports or whatever the fuck Mm -hmm. they're called and so yeah. to connect anything else, USB, uh, SD cards, anything, um, but I, I, it does have an audio jack. So at least it has that.
1: Well, you got I one know. up on me even there.
0: It doesn't even have an audio jack, in the new, like the new, new, new MacBook. Hell no! God, damn, Hell what the no! Fuck? How
1: are you supposed to? Steve like, Jobs goes from beyond the grave is just like pulling a major break on me, and uh, this is what we're living with.
0: Stupid. All right. Well, um, you know. Is what it is. Uh, so we were we were talking about haircuts, and it was like a very important conversation that we were talking about <laughs> about haircuts. Oh, yeah, and, no, I like, mean, that, but that, you know, I mean, it, 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 grooming during COVID has been a whole uh thing. You know, mm-hmm. um, some people have have been getting haircuts consistently. I'm in the contingent of men who have grown their hair out. Um, I feel like that's been a whole thing. That's yeah. there. There's been I several of my friends and acquaintances have have, uh, grown their hair out Uh, many of us for the first time like to this length um and i think honestly i think it looks pretty good and i think it's kind of like it's it's it sort of uh, echoes this like late 60s and 70s kind of Mm -hmm. vibe a little bit where like the hippie movement like you just normal ass dudes just started growing their hair out and i was like oh interesting what a time like now there's this like frozen era where everybody has long
1: hair just normal (laughs) dudes with long hair it's funny you bring this up because I, I was just having a conversation with my stunningly gorgeous partner, Michael, um, mm-hmm. over like the way that trends in fashion and hair and general grooming, and that sort of thing, are always a response to like sociological input. And so uh, with like the history of Vidal Sassoon and like the way that he would cut hair so it would fall just as naturally as possible so he wouldn't really to like, do much actual grooming, was in response to like the 50s and early 60s where women had to go through all this bullshit to like style their hair and had to go for like weekly meetings to get it up, you know, kept yeah. up with and so just like getting rid of all that stigma and just letting your hair be the way it's supposed to be and yeah. it's like reflective in all these other you know movements of like women's lib and everything else so just like that interesting connectivity of like how aesthetics are shaped by the way that like life is being lived at the time so you can kind of connect that to like The COVID response of like no one's gonna no pay for a haircut anymore, so we're just some long ass shaggy dudes. Yeah, well
0: we're getting we're you know there's there's dudes getting haircuts and there's I mean I felt like I I went through there was a time when like the barbershops were reopening like even like pre-vaccine and I was still just like nah man I've come this far yeah I'm not gonna (laughs) I'm not gonna do it and like I've suffered through like the real awkward adolescence and I'm just gonna oh sure let it fly yeah just let it fly um i saw a buddy of mine who i haven't seen for a long time and he has this like gorgeous red hair that he's he's grown uh. like, fully out like he's he has like like uh it does that like uh mary tyler Moore like flip oh the, the flip ends. yeah he does the little like flip and, and it's just it's it's great and he looks Word. he looks amazing yeah it's just like wow dude <laughs> i haven't seen you in a minute and now all of a sudden you have these like gorgeous and now like, you're Mary tyler Moore.
1: yeah now you're gonna make it We've been rewatching that recently on Hulu. It's been fantastic.
0: We've what have we been so we uh started um we found on Pluto there's a uh Johnny Carson channel. Just 24/7 oh, wow. Johnny Carson, just weird old Johnny Carson episodes. And so that's been <laughs> our like old ass TV uh like comfort fallback thing. Um It's interesting. He's a good interviewer and he's like a it's, it's like such a time capsule in many ways, like fashion wise, like we were saying, like sure. shaggy ass hair and like dudes no. with big lapels and stuff. Um, but also just like just this whole era of like these kind of like post Vaudevillian comedians and mm-hmm. um, like that that real old like like Rat Pack Friars cu- Club, like, you know, like real like cigars and red faces and back slaps like, you know, chronic (laughs) alcoholics, you know, like fucking fucking like club of entertainers. And it's just like, this was a weird time. And it was probably not great for like, if you were like, queer or like a woman or if you were yeah if you were a person of color but like it looks like it was a fucking blast for everybody else for like just like the straight white dudes like looks like they were just having yeah, a within the johnny carson studios, studios yes. yeah within yeah if you were like a famous rich white guy like you were having a fucking blast even if you're like <laughs> dom delouise and like buddy hackett and like all these people they were just like just having a great fucking time so i don't know it's it's very weird Um, yeah, I don't know. So we met in art school. We Um, sure did. What what brought you from Texas up to Minnesota in the first place? I don't think I know this story even.
1: Uh, well, you know, it's just like kind of at a loss of where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do after school. I definitely wanted to pursue art. Um, Animation was really my my interest at the time. That's what I Hmm. wound up at MCAT for initially. Um, I had applied to Cooper Union and did get into that. And uh, a couple of friends of mine had explored MCAT as an option, um, which was Susan Wynn, the incredible Susan Wynn. Yep. Uh, and um, yeah, just like a general interest in Minneapolis kind of blossomed out of that. I went to go visit it. Um, just the, the Prince Connection really sold it. Sure. Um, yeah. So they wound up giving me money, and that also really sealed the deal. Right. Yeah.
0: Uh, what walk us through? You know, let's talk about college, Zach versus versus now, Zach. Um, what <laughs> were you? What were you like then? Because this, you know, I want to I want to revisit. You know the the era that we um, that we met <laughs> each other in, and 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 how I mean, far the chrysalis of our relationship. So. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I I think I was a lot more like I don't know, open to. I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure how to, like, define this. I, I think I've definitely matured since then, so I'm trying to remember, like, what the parameters of that personality was at that time. I think it was definitely a lot more insane back then. Um, So I think just, like, I've developed better processes for being a person in the, right. the meantime since, like, that period. Um, and just be able to, like, apply more experience to, like, the relationships in my life, uh, both in terms of, like, Friendship and family, sexuality, mm-hmm. all those things have definitely like matured in a way that I think needed to be done since that uh earlier period of my life.
0: Sure. What what have been some of like the um not necessarily like the big lessons, but like the big uh pools of wisdom that you've that you've sort of drawn from? Um can can you think of any like uh I don't know, in, in terms of self-help philosophy whatever it is that you've that you've sort of like uh benefited from or has it just been just a life experience
1: a, it's been like trial and error and life experience and just like surviving things um i think a, a major takeaway i got from being a person and living to this point has been that like no one really gives a shit about you or what you do yes like they're they're the people that are close to you in your life that are like interested in you and they do have like vested interest in your happiness and your life and all these things uh but just the general public the people who are like auxiliary to you and your experience they they're not looking at you they don't really care what you do they're not paying attention and so like when I, i think i'm very much a person who has like internalized a lot of uh, those kinds of expectations, where it's like I got to live up to this like idea of myself that I want to present to the world, but like the world's not looking for any sort of presentation. You're just you're just existing within it. Yeah. So like all those expectations are very internal. So um, yeah, just realizing that like you could just leave the house not in an outfit. You can just throw on some yeah shorts or whatever. Like no one gives. That no short. one cares. Like you yeah. know what? You
0: know what? Finally taught me that lesson was moving to New York and just being oh, I one among a billion and just being mm-hmm. in just like uh, this, like, just like swarm of people and just understanding that I could literally take my shirt off and just start screaming right now. And people just walk around me. Like sure. nobody would stop. And like, I've learned that by like, I mean, I've had my fair share of like just bad days and kind of like, mental breakdowns on the street because you have nowhere else to do it in new york and you know like you see people cry on the train and you just sort of ignore it you're like well they're having like a moment you see people like fight or break up or whatever (laughs) we've all been there yeah um and you just sort of like walk past it like i even just like last week i uh i see my arm is bandaged i fell on my bike I got, I've, I didn't, it? I didn't get hit. I, I went around a car and I, uh, sort of bit the curb a little bit with my wheel and went over onto the sidewalk. Not uh, a horrible crash, but still very annoying and very just like. Still an owie. Most, yeah, it was an owie and it was, it was embarrassing more than anything. Like this lady, uh, like across the street was like, are you okay? And I was like, yes, leave me alone. Don't look at me. <laughs> it was just like trying to like scramble to like pack all my shit back in the, um, back in the, like, bike basket and just, like, get out of there because I was just... I was mostly just embarrassed and was just, like, screaming. Like, because I was, like... I was hurt and I was also just, like, already in a bad mood and that's why I wasn't really, like, paying... I wasn't biking my best. I wasn't, like, really following the rules the best and, like, was already, Uh like, biking uphill and was like, I'm already late. Fuck. Like, I missed this, like, this stupid drawbridge got in my way and I had to wait and I was already just like... And then I hit this thing and was just, like, really just, like, fucking lost it. And, um... Yeah, it was just, you know, just cramming my backpack into the bike basket and going, like, fuck! And, like, people just... Going about their business and I got back on the bike and went up the hill and was just like, Oh my god, like I'm so like I really I really blew it there. I really lost it. I really I really blew my stack. I really looked like fucking silly and everybody's gonna like and then I was like, Who's gonna who who gives in it? all in New York it, was what? It doesn't nobody fucking cares. Like it yeah. doesn't matter. Like there is the rare occasion when you see someone just uh, and I only feel so bad for these people when somebody's like Karen and like really spiraling and somebody catches them on, on film and then they just like they yeah, be the fans, permanence like, of that, the permanence of that, like it's not great, but it's also like it generally you have like a chance to like you have s- those people in those videos have several chances to stop and realize that there's a phone in their face and like no context for this and like know mm-hmm, that like okay. y- y- you should you should cut your losses right now and just walk away. Just (laughs) be quiet and walk away because this is not going to, but like that wasn't happening. Nobody was filming me. Like I wasn't making that much of a spectacle. You know, I, I I wasn't bothering anybody else. Really. I was just like having my own little moment and in New York, Mm -hmm. especially that's why I like this place so much. You're allowed to just have your little moment, just have your little like, ah, and then just, you know, and then, (laughs) and then just like, okay, fuck. I'm fine. I'm fine. I missed the train. I'll get the next one. It's fine. It's just
1: fuck. Life goes
0: on. Okay, life goes on. Yeah, and then you know you deal with it. Um, and everybody just sort of rolls with the punches. But for the longest time, like I felt like so just mortified all the time, or like when like felt mm-hmm. like people were looking at me. Felt like I was getting sized up. Felt like i was going to be remembered as some sort of you know person because i mean i i don't know I, I where do you think you learned that from is it from high school do you learn that from just like rumor mills and shit like i don't know where it comes from
1: I, I think it comes from all angles i mean there's like whatever experience you've had thus far that forms that there's also you know i mean just presentations of um like ideal bodies of ideal personalities of ideal abilities i think those things get kind of um, like, branded onto you for expectations for yourself as well. Yeah. So it's, like, if you – in I guess I always wanted to, like, live up to that sort of thing, and you're expecting others to expect that as well. Right. <laughs> um, Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it just feels like you're just always living in a, um, I don't know, some sort of aquarium in your own yeah. head. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's hard. I don't know. It's it- – finally letting go of that is liberating and then it makes it um anytime you do want to put on a display wear a nice outfit work out whatever do your hair so you know like be conspicuous in some way you can do it from a better place you're not doing it from like a place of anxiety and like if i don't do this i'm not a valid person you're doing it like i want to i want to look great i want to look nice and yeah you do it for yourself it's just you're doing it for yourself and it just becomes a lot more positive you
1: know yeah positive and manageable too yeah
0: um so we were we were talking about uh jobs you just got a A new job what's your new what's your new job yeah can you
1: talk about that well i <clears throat> yeah, no, I had um, yeah, I've been with a used bookstore for over 10 years in various capacities yeah. uh, and had like gone from being a bookseller to being in management to having a specialized like community outreach job for four years and then like pandemic times where I was kind of like laterally shifted over to another management position and that just got to like a boiling point of awfulness Mm-hmm. and really kind of put my foot down to shift into a new career from there uh so now i have a customer support role with a major travel company Ooh. um and so i've been like learning how to do all that uh so yeah definitely i've, I've completed the like in-person training portion and now it's very much a uh, you're kind of on your own working from home we get some resources but you're going to figure out a lot of this out yourself right uh so just kind of coping with that but I um, don't. It's an interesting challenge that uh, I've never really experienced before.
0: Yeah, and it's so. I mean, as a art school graduate, you know, like typically, uh, I'd say probably seventy five percent of us end up doing something, you know, that's just a job that you know pays yeah. the bills. Um, what uh, What other jobs have you had along the way? Can you rattle off just like your uh, your your job jobs that you've that you've worked on through the years?
1: I mean, I've mostly just been with that bookstore for that most of a my long life. That is a long ass
0: time. Yeah, that
1: is. Oh hell yeah! That's yeah, almost a career, <laughs> dude. That's that's huge. I mean, but yeah, but like, I agree with not a whole lot to show for it. I mean, the, the best part of yeah, it. That's is the that worst that you, part. <laughs> you have been walking dogs for
0: five years, and I'm
1: just like, and what, like? Uh-huh. But that's the the ideal of it is that like you're able to go in, do your task for however much time yeah. and then clock out and you leave all that shit behind and then you have the rest of your day to pursue whatever else you're really working on. So yeah. that's when you go home and you, you work on your paintings, you make some music, whatever you're doing. Um, so that was the, the great thing about that is that you can leave all of the responsibility behind when you clock out as opposed to like. something that's more salaried where you're going to be putting in tons of overtime and really married to that job.
0: Yeah. Um, Have you ever had one like that or, or been offered a job like that?
1: No, I've been hourly my whole life. Yeah.
0: Yeah. fine.
1: I've thought,
0: I mean, I, I've had several, I don't know, uh, uh, options or I guess maybe opportunities to, to pursue something like that in like, uh, Filmmaking, post production, production, whatever, that mm-hmm. like I, when I went into those fields, realized like, oh no, this is like your life. This is like mm-hmm. an 80 hours a week thing. This is like you become like a company person. And it, like, I haven't ruled that out as like a thing that I would eventually do, but like so far, like that just the swell of anxiety that I feel when I like think about the idea of just like, okay, so everything else, um, that I do, uh, this podcast, everything, my art, like that's all just like, that's all gone. That's like back burner stuff now, you know? Right. And, right. and that's not really, I don't know. I went through a big period of confusion, like why I even moved here, you know? Um, cause I did move here to work in production and then, didn't really want to do that anymore because it dominated so much of my life. And then, you know, and then, but then I, but then there's this part of you that, or at least in my experience that just feels so silly and so immature and so frivolous for still like working hourly and still like choosing to do kind of like menial work. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, When, you know, I know, when I, when I have, like, friends and peers and even, like, family members who are, like, uh, career people and have, like, grown-up jobs. And I feel like I've, I've just I've never had a grown-up job.
1: Right. I mean, like, I feel like the only job I want to have is making music and making art. Like, that's the only thing I would want to do if I had to, like, right. choose how to spend my time. But, unfortunately, I've never really quite been able to make that into a profitable enough career to supplement all of my expenses and stuff so it's like I'll do the thing where it's not going to rob me emotionally to complete the labor of whatever my hourly job is if I can also maintain those auxiliary things that bring me so much joy so you can clock in get your bills paid and then clock out and leave behind that part of your day and just go on and uh, finish up with with whatever your passion is
0: it's the most delicate balance to try and land as an artist Mm -hmm. Um, I Me and everybody else I know, you know, who works in the arts, who doesn't um, come from money, um, you know, they, uh, that's something that they have had to, that's a balance they've had to struggle with. And, you know, the allure of one side of it can, you know, you can get lost in, like, making six figures you can get lost in, 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 in you know, a nice uh, benefits package and just be like, well, I hate this job, but I can't quit because now I have insurance and I have a 401k and like I'm making more than enough money. Like I'm paying off my student debt and, you know, like I just I have to do this now. And that's totally understandable. Um, I, you know have never really had a job that that was the case. I just have jobs that I, I'm not crazy about, but I don't uh, hate, but they also don't really give me like the financial incentive to like put everything else on hold. You know what I mean? Right. Um, It's, it's, it's very, that's like the thing that, you know, when we were, uh, first becoming friends in, in art school. Like that's the thing that I think was my main source of anxiety was realizing that like I was about to go off of that precipice and that uh, pretty soon there's going to be this this thing that happens where you go out into the real world and you either make money doing what you want to do or you don't. And if you don't, it's most likely you don't. And then you right. got to figure something else out, you know. And like that, yeah. that area of struggle was just like the, like uh, just a, just a, a nightmare. It just took forever to figure that out.
1: Oh, truly, yeah. And like, I don't. Know, I, I, I think getting back to the the part of like, what were you like back then? I think I also had like a healthy feeling of nihilism too, where it's like, I don't fucking know what I'm doing. Does anything matter? Yeah. I don't know. I I'll do what feels correct right now even if it's not necessarily the best choice for me in the future. Um but you know it's like future me will figure it out and whatever will be will be case, etc. Right. Um so just, just kinda of rolling the dice and like, yeah, I'll give a BFA in painting. Of course. It'll be fine. What
0: made you decide to do painting instead of animation anyway?
1: Uh I didn't come into the animation department with much at all of um, any sort of prior experience. So I expected a much more hands-on instruction, mm-hmm. which uh, in my experience in that course was not really provided Whereas far more geared towards um, navigating a program as opposed to the fundamentals that I needed to understand. Um, so I, I got kind of like bogged down with, um, just not really, nobody knowing, knowing how to do the damn thing, yeah. Uh, and realize that like it would also be such a huge investment of time to co- accomplish like smaller pieces, um, and just really like I, I've always had this lifelong love of of painting and drawing and just fine arts in general. Um recognizing those sort of, where my passions were, uh, and it was a much more like attainable thing uh, in terms of just like accomplishing work. Yeah. So. Um, You know, I just once I got through like the foundational studies and recognized that that's what felt correct, I was like, yeah, then let's let's do it. Let's pull the trigger and and do this. And I I think I had like enough. I don't know know if I I want to say pretension, but enough to it it just felt correct to go into that.
0: Yeah. Um, We had that stop motion class together, which was. Oh, that was really fun. That was one of the most fun classes that. The, shell hickle shell hickle yeah he was uh, yeah. he was a uh, uh uh what's that studio called um something with a v uh, the, the california raisin guys uh he sure did do that yeah yeah he he worked on all of that the, there was some i'm i'm drawing a blank on the name of the studio mm-hmm. vinton will vinton studios he there worked you. for that um Good and yeah that was that was just such a fucking great class. I mean, for the most part. There were, you know, that was the other thing was, you know, you It was hard. It, it was hard and you get exposed to like uh I don't know. There were a lot of really great people in the animation program, and then there were just like also like a lot of real dummies who were just like were just <laughs> like proto Disney adults, you know, who were just like uh-huh, this uh-huh. is they're going that way like there's something in there's something with these people that like they're not fully going to like get online with like adulthood and like that's why they want to make little cartoons for the rest of their lives and like fine yeah i don't know it was it was it was an experience i thought i wanted for the longest time to keep doing stop motion like when i had you know when i was doing just like day job internship whatever after school and I was like i know how to do it but the undertaking of it was just so daunting that like to even set that up and was like i guess i can just like set up a camera in my room and just like have one corner of my room just like be the little set and just like make a little thing but i was like yeah but no nah. like it sounds okay but in execution okay it's terrible but I'm like oh my god it is the most fucking unrewarding painstaking work but if you have some sort of a uh, deadline forcing you to make it happen, then you can mm-hmm. actually make it happen, which was, which was really what I learned is like, I have to work under deadlines. Are you a deadline person?
1: It depends on the project. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I will procrastinate as long as possible, unless I'm really excited about the project in which I'll be really gung ho. But um, yeah, no, I certainly do <laughs> my best work under uh, pressure um that's that's definitely when i can finalize and crystallize an idea because i i i don't know i find myself with like a logo designer whatever i'll be like well here's this idea that we've really explored and then like the next day i'll have some sort of stroke of inspiration it's like or we can fully take that apart and do it all over again in a different way and i'll just want to keep going down that process and just like laterally exploring instead of like really going forward but when a deadline approaches and it's like, well, now we got to really get married to this idea and see it through to the end. Yeah. Um, cause yeah, as long as there's like time, then I'll want to just keep rehashing things. Yeah. It's, I mean, the, 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 that play is very satisfying.
0: It's weird. Like the pressure of a deadline that forces you to abandon perfectionism is actually kind of beautiful.
1: Um, Oh, it's fully necessary. I, like there, I, there was like a really iconic, uh, like, Lars von Trier documentary mm-hmm. that we had to watch at MCAD, uh that was The Five Obstructions Yeah, and it was him and this other filmmaker who also makes like gnarly depressing uh, movies where they gave each other a set of rules and have to create works based on these super strict rules mm-hmm. and so one of them is that they have to have a cut like every two seconds or something uh, one way you have to like film a opulent dinner scene in the middle of Calcutta, and just all these other things. But just the way that you're able to really tap into the depths of your creativity when given um, bigger restrictions.
0: Yeah, parameters. Anyway, so it's, it's, it's a really
1: viable thing. It's
0: the um, it's not the the term embarrassment of riches isn't quite right, but there's this like paralysis in abundance you know there's a mm-hmm. the the open-ended completely open source just nebula of creativity that you can face especially i found after school after i had that structure removed from my life was just excruciating now you can make anything you i can make anything <laughs> and so i make literally nothing True you know nothing, a, truly a, a nothing. just truly nothing for years and like those were some of the most depressed years of my entire life when I was like, I'm going to write a screenplay. No, I'm going to write a short story. No, I'm going to do stand up. No, I'm going to make a film. No, I'm going to do an animation. No, I'm going to make illustrations. I couldn't get started on any of it. And just like my ADD <laughs> brain, just like going like a fucking garden sprinkler from like one thing to another every day. And just like, I can't like it was it was a nightmare was just it was just a, it was just a yeah, it's,
1: it's the same thing with, with a blank canvas it's the same thing with like trying to find something to watch on Netflix like with you, yeah. you infinite options you can't really pin anything down
0: yeah it's hard do you yes have, I've, I've, I've
1: been oh go on oh
0: um i was at, i was going to ask if you have found any i know that there are systems to um kind of keep yourself penned in with the creative process Um, Mm -hmm. I forget what they're called. Uh you know those those like cards that Brian Eno developed? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You like set down and you like like like, go with like certain patterns and ideas to like you know, like it's it's just like the cards, there's you can look it up. I don't know what the fuck they're called. I don't remember. (laughs) Um I haven't thought about this since art school. Uh look up Brian Eno cards. You'll probably find it. Um there are these cards that just like uh, prompts on them (laughs) and you have to like set down like three of them at a time and then just go off of that. And it's a way to work through blocks. Um, But uh, that's the only one that I've ever like really like worked with. But what do you, you know, just when you're on your own, when you have your day job, when you have, um, just this whole nebula of ideas around you how do you decide like which direction to go with
1: uh I don't know I mean like for my process in terms of like art making I think it's always um like it's, it's very response based so like I don't know I'll have to just like impulsively do something and then the next step is to respond to that so it's, it's a bit more like, um, I don't know, it, like if-then statements, like if this slash is here, then what goes next and how do you make those relationships start to make sense, right. um, which doesn't always go anywhere, but it is like a sort of generative uh, entry point for me for that, um, you know, cause like I, I feel really comfortable working with like collage work or something. So you can really employ that sort of strategy uh, that are like you know, like it's it's not a very common thing for me to just have a like clear defined idea in my brain of what I want to make. So it is very much like that process of discovery or just letting my muscles kind of dictate what Mark is being made and sort mm-hmm. of building from that. Um, I think I have a much like freer time making music because uh, it's, it's something where, I don't know, it, it, like, I'll just pick up like a guitar or bass or something and then just something happens and then I'm able to build off of that. Right. And, and again, it's, it's, it's a similar process where like, it doesn't always wind up as like a complete thing, but it is like a kernel of an idea that you can maybe pick up from later, or, like working in something else. So it's kind of building this like inventory of like little bits of things. Have you ever had and moments? Just to figure out how to piece them together.
0: Have, have you ever had moments with uh, making music where you pick up a guitar, you pick up a bass and nothing happens and you're just like,
1: you... Oh totally, yeah. Or like when it sounds stupid, when it sounds right. competitive, like we've we've already trodden this ground. Uh, at that point, like, and if the impulse is there, I think it's it helps to put down the thing that you've worn out and pick up something else, right. and just kind of like divert that stream into a different avenue, um, or or like I I think there's also like a cyclical nature to my my process as well where. You know, maybe I I don't have anything inside of me musically at the moment. And that's when like the the art side really flourishes or I get really worn out from art and like, oh, but I really wanna make these drapes. And so I'll like sew some drapes and then like something else will come out of that. And then like it it hops around. I I feel like I, I just can't really pinpoint one thing to do all the time. So really really envy those people who are able to, like, master one key skill and feel totally fulfilled by that. Sure. Uh, that's
0: really admirable. I mean, I think it's admirable, and I think that that's something that society uh, puts more value on, you know, just, like, a true, Mm -hmm. like, guitar virtuoso or, like, a master painter or whatever. Like, somebody who's just, like, excellent at a certain craft. But I think, like, one of your biggest uh, skills, one of your biggest assets is that you're more of a polymath. Um, you know, you have a bunch of different disciplines that you can work in and it seems mm-hmm. like it's a way of like, you can use that, um, you know, just sort of multifacetedness to get yourself unstuck in any of those, uh, different directions. Um, yeah. and you know, like I feel like a, a bit of like that myself, like I, I like to write, I like to do filmmaking. I like to draw. I like to do this podcast, you know, like, so like I have like different avenues, but like, I also, I haven't drawn anything in months because I've just been working on this. But yeah. if I draw blank with this, it does help to just like, I soothe myself by drawing, you know, and then eventually that anxiety of like, what am I going to do with this other thing? It just, the, the, the block just sort of opens the dam opens. It's great.
1: Yeah. Cause I mean like those, those different disciplines can all, they can inform each other as well. And so, yeah, yeah. You, you get to hop around for whatever feels correct at the time. And then eventually the other thing will come back sooner or later.
0: So like as a, you know, a creative person, one of the main kind of questions, the big questions of this podcast is like, as creative people, society doesn't necessarily does sometimes doesn't other times, uh, put a lot of um value inherent value on the things that we make you know and right. uh there is i think uh, this sometimes spoken sometimes unspoken uh i don't know disdain or contempt for just people who create for the sake of it you know like the the term amateur or hobbyist I think is looked down upon um, mm-hmm. And there's this idea, I think sort of a, a a very toxic idea that I think permeates a lot of uh, hustle culture, especially in like bigger cities and bigger scenes like New York, that makes it seem like if you are kind of like a low stakes, smaller like friendly neighborhood spider-man kind of level of artist then like that doesn't then you don't really matter like and you're like what you do is insignificant so have you found it really difficult um to determine or assert the
1: value of the things that you do well yeah i mean like i i think the main thing to take away from that is just like make it have value for yourself mm mm-hmm. Because, like, if, if you believe in it, other people start believing in it. So you got to start from, like, the interior point of that. But, um, I mean, like, societally in America, even successful artists, people still don't give a shit. I mean, like, if you've ever been with, like, a dad to a museum and seen a, like, minimalist painting, there's just, like, no appreciation for that either. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
0: It's like entire like, teenage yeah, my entire teenage years was just like showing my parents like Nirvana and smashing pumpkins and they were just, like, What is this shit? Like, you know, it's so, like, yeah, I mean I get that. Like, you know, like not everybody's gonna get it, but like,
1: you know, mm-hmm. but even within like artistic circles, like you're saying that if you're not really making a name for yourself, how do you justify Yeah, there's going this
0: with there's this, I don't know, um, like, this this dread, I think, that a lot of creative people have. and Like, I've faced this a lot, too, of just um, my own kind of mediocrity, I guess, or my own just sort of insignificance in the grand scheme of <laughs> the art world, whatever scene I'm trying, whatever discipline I'm trying to work in. And the only way through it is to just sort of embrace it and just be like yeah, I'm just like going to be kind of one of those, like, I'm just a guy in New York with an apartment. And like, I have a podcast that some people have heard about some people like most people haven't. And that's it. And that's it, you know, yeah. and um it, it's gone hand in hand with just how I've looked at, I mean, just existentialism in general, like if life has no inherent meaning, it's kind of like what you said if it has no inherent meaning if it has no inherent value then you assign the value yourself that's it
1: yeah, You exactly you, you gotta make it happen for yourself
0: because that's i mean that's like the only thing that matters is if it if it matters yeah in the grand you. scheme
1: it's like how do you want to spend your time you've only got so much of it do you want to spend it doing something that you care about yeah 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 and so that's what i try to do i mean like i don't know i've been making stuff my whole life and i'm not in any museums i you know, I'm not on any record label, just, but I still make it and I'm still proud of the work I create. Um, yeah, you know, and then you see, like, really hugely successful things that are shitty. Yeah. So I, th- I think it boils down mostly to, like, do you know how to market yourself? Do you know how to create connections for yourself? Do you know how to convince people that there's financial value in your work? And can they profit off of it as well? Right. So, like, mm, this may be a cynical view of things, but also I think it's accurate for a lot of like the functions for elevating voices within um, like creative spheres. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's <laughs> it's hard to make a name for yourself. Uh, you just gotta like what you do. Yeah, I think it's what I, I come back to here. Hell yeah. You know, I mean, we're both huge fans of Gotta by voices. Yes. Uh, like. Robert Pollard was uh, what, an English teacher until he was in his forties and that's when yep. they finally got signed. Like, you know, I mean, the, like that's, and, uh, Toni Morrison is another one where she was just writing books mm-hmm. um, after her kids went to bed. Like you just, you just keep at it if you care about it. And if it happens, then it happens. And if it doesn't, you've left a legacy for those around you to look back on after right. you're gone. Maybe
0: you'll just be, like, yeah, a Henry like, Darger kind of character, you know? Like, you, you might Or Van, Van Gogh, you know? It. Yeah,
1: yeah. Like, I mean, there's... Uh, I think there's, there's a concern I, I at the back like, of my mind yeah. for leaving a legacy of some sort. Yeah. You know, because, like, as a gay man, like, I don't foresee myself ever having any airs or anything, but, you know, I, I have a lot to show for my time, and it's piled up on this table since I've still been in the process of unpacking, and like it's mm-hmm. just, like having like a physical body to that has been very interesting. Yeah. I also think a lot about all these people who have really adopted digital art as a a medium uh, and truly envy that because after moving out of a apartment into a smaller apartment, it's like, oh shit, there is so much of this.
0: Yeah, it sucks. We we also just (laughs) moved into like a slightly smaller apartment. um, And like it's – you know that, that, uh, I think you should leave sketch where he's like, there's too much fucking shit on me. It's like, it's like that, like every <laughs> couple of minutes, we're just like, kind of just like shuffling around in this apartment with anywhere. too much shit in it. And it's just like, it's, it, it feels like, I feel like I'm like Gandalf in like the Hobbit hole, like in, in like Bilbo's house where he's just like stooped over and mm-hmm. like hitting his face on things. I'm just like, fucking like my bicycles up in the thing. i like, I can't like it's just there's too much there's too much shit sucks (laughs) but like i insist on um, having my like we we insist on having our hundreds and hundreds if not thousands of records when uh like most of that shit's already on spotify and we could just do away with the entire thing fuck that
1: (laughs) yeah you like what you like and life's about enjoying those things
0: exactly i don't know like it's some shit i don't know it, it it takes up room what are you gonna do you got mm-hmm. i mean i don't know so you 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 live in austin still or did you did you move cities you still live in austin
1: still in austin yeah we just moved to the east side of 35
0: okay cool yeah uh you're you're from dallas originally sure am. um but you lived in in austin you're you're a very you're a very texan guy you moved straight back to to texas after school and you're you know like you're you're in the place, you know, like you're, you're, you're a Texan at heart. Uh,
1: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, yeah, that's, that's a part of my, my personality and my upbringing for sure. Um, yeah, it's, it's fun being from Dallas because it's like cool having this experience with a city that everyone hates. Yeah. Like everyone else in Texas who is not from Dallas shits all over Dallas. Same goes for like Houston, like Houstonians know that Houston is dope. Right. But you know, it's it's gonna it gets a bad rap. Um, I don't know, so it's like if you're like from any city in Texas, you're you're giddy to talk shit about other cities. But if anyone from outside of Texas talks shit about Texas cities, then you're going to fuck them up.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah it's like there's... I can
1: talk shit about my my little brother, but you cannot.
0: Exactly. Like, that's what it is. Yeah, no, I can I I feel the same like I can talk shit about Nebraska all day. But if someone else, if some, like, fucking coastal elite talks shit about Nebraska and, like, dismisses it as just like, oh, it's just a bunch of fucking yokels, like, I'm like, okay, we're going to fight. You know, like, I don't, I don't like that. Yeah. You know? (laughs) Conversely, though, like, the whole
1: state itself of Texas uh, is horrendous politically. Yes. Uh, There are a significant contingency of very destructive voters. Yeah. Yeah. so it's it's got a, a, some dualities because like, the land itself is stunning, rich. the culture is very rich. Um, there are some incredible people, scenes, cultures going on here. Yeah. It's a melting pot of, uh, of very many different types of people. And those, those are the wonderful things about it. But then also we just can't see to get good people in power, and it is really crushing everyone here in the state.
0: Yeah, I mean, you have, like, yeah. some of the most notorious slime balls in politics. You got Ted Cruz, you got Dan Crenshaw, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you got just these, like, really fucking awful... Just, they seem to, like, revel in how shitty and cruel that they can be and like it's criminal to, like, it's sheerly people criminal. seem to just like yeah. get off on like how shitty they're just like let's like i like that greg abbott is just like a piece of shit son of a bitch who like doesn't give a fuck about anybody because that's that's a yeah, like, true enemy of the people you know and and like <laughs> when like so like last winter when texas was going through the snowstorm and you know uh-huh. like all that shit was had like like your power was. We, we out. lost
1: power for a number of days. We lost water for yeah, uh, I think two weeks. And then you we were got, got COVID. It. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and then COVID hit and like, uh, got sick with that. So wow, February was fucking rough. It was, a, it was
0: a rough month, and like that's when like again, this was a thing that I noticed. Just sort of, I don't know. This was a
1: message when I was growing up when I was growing up, I always assumed that people in power were there to take care of you <laughs> and they were going to do make the right decisions yeah. to help people. And uh, that was a brutal awakening to recognize that that truly is not the case. No. And I don't know if it ever will be.
0: Well, and no. it's it's a thing that I think needs to get talked about more and people need to recognize more that there is a difference between the people who live in a place and the ruling class of that place. hundred they, percent.
1: They just redrew our district mapping in the state as well. Like again, it is so ludicrous way to gerrymandered. Yeah. It's just the way that like, there's like a bit of Fort Worth that like stretches down through all these different counties and just makes this like silly straw. Of, yeah. Like, no, I
0: know. Have, have you seen yeah. like the map of like Dan Crenshaw's district? It looks like a, like this weird spider web it's just fucking ridiculous mm-hmm. like and the thing is that it's impeding a lot of progress when people just write off red states as you know like all these like i mean oh I'm on Twitter. Around the, around, yeah. yeah i mean like and around the same like, time oh, you're, on your Twitter, state I was, and, like, I was just like all these yeah all these like fucking all these like fucking like rich Twitter liberals talking about how, like, yeah, well, fuck them. Like, now they're freezing to death, and, like, now like they got, like, a bunch of COVID. And I was like, those are my fucking friends, and they didn't vote for that shit. Mm-hmm. And, like, shut the fuck up. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm from a red state, and I have friends and family in red states. And do you think that they deserve all of this? Sh-? Like, because they don't support this. So what is – you know, it just it, – it makes me fucking – Furious. And the thing is that yep. with, with the like real like capital D Democrat rich liberal thing, they seem to be able to recognize that, you know, they can oppose something like the Iraq war by understanding that the people on the ground in Iraq, just like the normal dudes walking around, shopkeeps and taxi drivers and students and families, they have nothing to do with all of the horrible shit up at the top that's being used as an excuse to invade that country and fuck everything up for everybody. But they don't have the same level of understanding that just like, taxi drivers and gas station people and like you know just just normal ass regular joes guys who work at bookstores have nothing to do with the decisions that the political class is making in texas so like why are you writing them off as if like they don't matter and just like fuck them like oh my god infuriating (laughs) infuriating i'm mad agreed
1: uh agreed
0: I thought yeah, the whole thing complicated yeah. the history of Texas. It's uh, you know, like when people I've been thinking about this a lot, when like when people were getting uh when like a, a red states and red districts were getting like overrun with COVID. Especially, like, last summer, there was this part of me that, like, had a lot of schadenfreude about it and was just like, yeah, well, like, fuck you. You're not masking you. You don't believe that this is, like, a big deal. And now you're on a ventilator. Like, suck a dick. I don't care. You know? But Mm -hmm. I had to kind of, like, I had to... I've been thinking about that more recently and thinking about, like, where are these people getting their information? And do they necessarily deserve this because they've been fed bad information and they have bad politics and it's led them to make bad decisions because like, as a lefty, you have to have, you have to reserve some compassion for people who have maybe not made the best choices in their lives. You know, like if you are going to stand up for homeless people, um, for instance, You know, like the argument can be made like a lot of those people like, yeah, they're just victims of circumstance and they like they tried to do everything and they're still out on the street. But a lot of them, you know, like they're they're, the point can be made that a lot of people are out on the street because they did made make bad choices and like fuck things up. Do they still deserve to live on the street? No, no. Like, so so like. (laughs) I'm trying in my own heart to understand that like people who get all of their news from like Facebook and are grossly misinformed don't necessarily, like they don't deserve the outcome of this. The, you know, like I, I, I don't give a shit when like, Trump gets COVID or when like people with massive platforms and influence who know better and who spread this misinformation and you know do who disseminate this stuff on a mass scale and get other people killed. And when those people get COVID, like when all these like right wing AM radio guys die of COVID and I'm like, that's actually really fucking funny. Um, but yeah, like, it, it when, hits, it's, hits when it's just when, like, like, you know, your, your, your aunt Mary or whatever, who, who like dies of COVID because, you know, she's kind of an idiot. Like uh, I, I'm like past the point of like laughing at that
1: now. Yeah. No, I mean like, cause People who are naive due to misinformation, um, that's not necessarily their fault if they're being spoon fed something incorrect and damaging in an echo chamber. So it does say differently when someone who's responsible for that uh, has to deal with the repercussions of their actions. So yeah, when when Trump got COVID, that was the funniest day on Twitter.
0: That was the funniest day. That that, that was about a year ago. That That was about a year ago. Happy anniversary to the funniest day on the internet ever
1: yeah iconic ever
0: oh my god iconic times that and like january 6th were like the funniest fucking days like uh of <sighs> our lifetimes so like and, and we needed some comic relief during <sighs> during all like during the last year or so so like oh my god yeah things really Praise have been going me. down the
1: shit hole, uh for a good long while
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs>
0: <laughs> so i mean what yeah. what is your last question What's your um, outlook for us, for our society? What do you think, you know, best case scenario, worst case scenario is going to unfold in our lifetimes?
1: Oh, cool. So we're going to end on uh, an up note here. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Oh, no. My my outlook is very bleak. Um, Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I just, the way that, uh, people in power if people with money exploit people without those things uh, is going to lead to some very damaging futures for people. Because, um, I mean, like, you know, climate change is happening and it is going to result in a decrease in resources. Yeah. And over time, those available resources will be hotly contested and they're going to go to the people who have access to them yeah and so there's just gonna be a lot of really bitter fighting over those things like clean water and food uh we're so already, we're already seeing
0: that shit though like i mean like we uh, sure are the haitian refugees who are getting fucking bull whipped <laughs> like they're yep. there because yeah. haiti's in trouble with climate change
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah so it's it's not so much that like life is going to end; it's just going to get really hard and really financially. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm I'm worried about that. Uh, but again, you just got to live in the moment and take your life one day at a time and do what makes you happy while you can.
0: It's really been hard to separate. Like I've said this before on the show, but like the distinction that I have to make, the line that I have to draw is that. I'm a pessimist, not a nihilist, you know, (laughs) like that. I do believe that a better world is possible and that people deserve better and that we should look out for each other. And that, like, I have these ideas of, you know, uh, uh, um, I don't know compassion and humanity and Even just like baseline empathy for other yeah, people. just empathy and stuff that that I believe in but I also know that
1: that shit's not going anywhere <laughs> you know like
0: that that's, yeah, the challenge that's is not like, gonna, like instilling
1: that's... those values in other people and you can't really do that you can't just like slap that into someone and you can't convince someone who's already made their mind up yeah so it's like how do you penetrate that shell of virulent anger over someone who's already like dug their heels in the sand, They're like I don't know. There's there's no way to convince someone until something horrible happens to them because people only learn through experience. Yeah, and so I think things just have to get a whole lot worse until things can get better. But
0: I just um, read. I not um, yeah,
1: like the, the Earth is going to be fine. Yeah. Oh no, we're like, the, life as we know it sure. will absolutely change.
0: Yeah, I don't know. It's I just read um, Parable of the Sower. Have you read that?
1: Oh yeah. Uh, I have not read that
0: one. Read it. It's fucking great. I'm reading, yeah. by the way, I'm reading... Uh, this is Octavia Butler? Octavia
1: Butler. She's the fucking goat. She... She. I started reading um, Kindred, and that is uh, also very crushing and very startling.
0: Yeah, I read that one, too. Yeah. I read that one after Parable of the Sower and Parable of the Talents. I followed that up with Kindred. That one's That one's an earlier one, and I think it's a little bit more of like a simple... Uh, like, it's almost like a Twilight Zone episode. Like, it's sort of like a, a, a Yeah, yeah. Just like campaign. an inexplicable strange thing that's yeah, happening. Yeah, yeah. Uh... Um, but the the time <laughs> travel device is really interesting. Like, the way the time travel in that story works is really creative. I've never seen that before. But mm-hmm. uh, fucking Parable of the Sower is, like, one of the best books I've ever read. I've, I have can't stop thinking about it. I can't stop talking about it. It's, it's insane. It's so good. Hell yeah. Um, and I'm reading... Uh, you said you're reading Hill House? I'm, re- I'm reading Hill House right now, upon your recommendation. It's fucking great. It's, it's incredible. It's spooky. It's beautiful. Um, Yeah.
1: Perfect. I uh, of reading.
0: Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, wh- what are you reading right now?
1: Uh, I am reading The Eye of the World by Robert Jordan. It's the first installation in um, The Wheel of Time, which is an epic sci-fi series that extends to, like, 16 books or Jesus. some shit. It's... I think it's um, one billion pages long. <laughs> oh,
0: my God. Uh, I, I thought that Doom yeah, so series
1: was daunting. Girl, yeah, no, this this one just goes on and on. Uh, I, I picked it up on a whim because when I was working at the bookstore, like people just kept buying it. We just couldn't keep it on the shelf. And this is before they even had like the TV show in production. Right. And so at some point, I was, just, I was working in, in science fiction. And I was like, I'm going to try this because I know nothing about it. I, I had this like craving for something that felt like skyrim mm-hmm. but that was better written and uh i wanted like a big adventure story and this landed in my lap and uh, it's been really really exciting to read through can you read so, just like recommended.
0: Up, uh, uh paper books or or do you do kindle or do you do audiobooks
1: uh i don't do audiobooks because i feel like it takes too long mm. um but yeah I, I, it, it depends on the format of the book itself um I mean, like, I, I like physical books because you know the beautiful objects and they feel good to hold. Yeah. Um. But I mean, with the Kindle, it weighs nothing and it glows, so you can read it in bed at night without disturbing your partner. Sure. So you know, it just depends on like, am I looking for just a leisurely kind of experience, or am I like, am am I going to go? What what or is it? A really heavy book? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it just depends on like. I think I'm I'm more keen to like read a book that sort of lands in my lap when it's a physical one. So you know when you're around books a lot, yeah. it's like oh this is like grab my attention as opposed to like combing through the Kindle store or whatever. I wish so, that like, I had a I'm guy more... who,
0: who could just like read off the page. But like honestly, it's it's very difficult for me to like hold my focus. But I can also devour an entire audiobook in like one sitting. So oh wow yeah it, like i i can just i can just like walk around all day and listen to an audiobook and just be done with it like I'm already like uh let's see how far in into...
1: your, your vocation has you doing that like yeah that that's true like i that, mean right? I, like
0: i it's and it's soothing to me and it gets me out of my own head and mm-hmm. it's almost like it's not exactly meditation but it is like some sort of it's it's kind of the opposite of meditation because it's focusing your brain on a different you know, on a different thing, like while you're moving around, but it, it, it works. It like, it, it it stops me from thinking about, uh, you know, uh, how I, I suck and don't like myself. You know, if I, if I just, (laughs) if I just like talk, if I just think about something else, if I just have like a a podcast or some sort of audio thing in my head, like I can just digest that. And it's just like, oh yeah. Um, so I am already, uh, 29% of the way through. Uh, Hill House, and uh, I started it yesterday. <laughs> so, <Nice>. yeah, <laughs> incredible audiobooks, people. Those, I I, I fully endorse audiobooks. If you're a podcast fan, um, yeah, you know, just get into audiobooks and get over the fucking stigma that it's not real reading. Fuck that shit. Um, it's it, it's you know, I, I I think that that's frankly to use a woke word, it's ableist to have the idea that. The only way to ingest a book is to do it through just like reading the page. I'm like, okay, so like blind people are just dumb as shit because they don't read books. Like, uh, that doesn't, right. you know, if it comes in through your ears, it's, I think it's just as valid.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I'm not against audiobooks, it's just not the way I prefer to.
0: You yeah, know. yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. Get, I mean, get, get it, my like, reading done. I, 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 yeah, I, yeah. I wish that I had more of a penchant for just straight up reading. It's just like my brain can't process it. And like, it's taken a long time to just accept, like, Brad, if you buy this book, you're not going to fucking read it. You're going to, like, you're going <laughs> to, it's just going to go on your shelf and you're going to have, like, the bookmark in the first, like, tenth of the book, like, all the other books mm-hmm. on your shelf. If you just read the audiobook, oh, yeah. you're going to actually finish it and you're going to understand it and you're going to get something out of it. So, do it that way like just do it that way yeah all right so we should wrap up um but before you go is there anything that you would like to plug if people want to follow you if people want to find your work uh how can you how can we do that
1: oh yeah they're, they're, my my avenues are many fold uh yeah my my debut album lukewarm turns one year old on the 10th of this month uh yeah, yeah. you can check that out on it's on, on Spotify and it's on Bandcamp. I recorded the name Arrow Pierce. Uh, so you can find that record on those channels. Um, I've got my like design and illustration portfolio at zacknash.work. You can check that out if you want to have me make something for you. Uh, I'm on Twitter at uh, znash atx and uh, Instagram at znash. All yeah, right. I, I post a lot of uh, pictures of my rotund gray cat who is. He's been, uh, he came in and, like, screeched for a minute, but... He's been he's, walking he's, he's in and somewhere. out of the
0: shot. Yeah. Uh,
1: oh, have boy. you seen him? <laughs> yeah, he's, he's been coming in and out. He's, he's
0: made some cameos. All right. Uh, well, this Blue. is great, man. Uh, great to catch up.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me, Brad. I love you.
0: Oh, I love you too, bud. Thanks once again. To my main man, Zach Nash. What a dude. Check out his music. It's very, uh... It's just magical. It's just very nice. It's just it's very uh uh let me let me pull out some 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 all music uh critics terms for his mute for his music. It's uh I wouldn't say whimsical. That's a little silly. That's like the fucking Decemberists are whimsical. Fuck that shit. It's not Twee. But it is pretty cute. It is. It's got a sparkly uh, feeling to it. It's got a. Uh, it's got kind of a, a like fantasy and uh, adventure timey kind of vibe. It's got a guided by voices vibe. It's got uh, kind of a shoegazy vibe. It's great. Just listen to it. Okay. Okay. Follow me. At Radical Pearson on both Instagram and Twitter. Follow the show at SelfWorst on just Instagram. I don't have the Twitter. Some guy has the has the handle Self Worst. I haven't. I'll I'll hit him up sometime and see if I can buy it from him or whatever. Anyway, rate and review, subscribe and like, rate and review on iTunes. Uh, give us five stars if you give us if you give me five stars. I don't care what you write. Because that part doesn't matter. It's really just the star rating. The the, the algorithm is not sharp enough to actually detect what you write. They just want the stars. So just give me stars. I just want stars. Give me stars. Please. Music is by Shea Bartel. I'm Brad Beerson. And until next time, go out and fail. It's good for you.